Welcome to Grounded in the Word. Here in this podcast, our concern is all about the foundation or the soil of our hearts. The state of the soil or the state of our hearts, the foundation that we build upon determines everything. Just as it is with the building, if the foundation is not right, then the rest of the building will follow in suit. It will not be right. It will be unsafe, unsteady. Or if the soil that a seed is planted in is not good or pure soil, then what is grown, what is birthed from that seed will not be good, will not be pure. So we need to make sure that our foundation and our soil is good and right and pure. And that's all that we are concerned about here is just making sure that what we are planting in, the seed that we are receiving, making sure that it's going into good soil and making sure that which we are building up is built on a good foundation. I pray that you join us in this endeavor to ensure that that foundation and ensure that that soil is good. Welcome back, everybody. Excited to be back once again. This week, we are continuing our vein of discussion revolving around uh, Christianity and what it truly means to be Christian. And there's so many uh, different veins and avenues of that topic. And there's so many different ways that we could really just dissect this and take it apart. Um, and this topic truly could go on forever. So I'm sure at some point we'll just have to change veins. Um, but that, that time is not yet. Um, so this week... It's kind of, if, if you think about it from a linear standpoint, it's kind of a, a build-off of what we talked about last week. Um, not absolutely directly, but in, in essence, you really can't talk about what we talked about this week without... Sorry. You can't talk about what we're going to talk about this week without first talking about what we talked about uh, in the prior episode two weeks ago. And that is unity uh, unity with god and unity with the body um, unity and when, when we talk about unity uh, there are likely some some you know ideas and thoughts and veins that automatically come to mind you know uh, when because we, there are certain subjects and certain conversations that are really, they're common for us revolving around unity and what, you know, what unity looks like. And so there's probably already an image of your head, an idea in your mind about, you know, our conversation of unity. Some of it might be on track, some of it might not be. Because a lot of times, and I know we've, we've talked about this before in part, but a lot of times we have these preconceived notions, these preconceived ideas and those things are things that we truly know, but we get so caught up in what we know that we miss everything that we don't know. Because we allow what we currently know to become the totality of how that thing is defined. 
In doing so, we put that thing in a box and we confine it and we say, this is what it is. And so when we do that and someone outside or, you know, uh, an idea or, or uh, uh, not something separate, but a further expanse upon that subject is revealed to us, we reject it. Not because not truth, but because it doesn't fit our definition of what that thing is. And so we really need to be careful. And this is, has nothing to do with what we're actually talking about today. <clears throat> but we truly need to be careful whenever we feel as if we have a profound understanding of a thing. Whatever that thing may be. Um, because when we allow our, like I said, when we allow our seemingly profound understanding to just engross our minds, then we are held back. And then you can really define that as self-deception if you really want to take it that route. We are self-deceived into thinking that we fully understand a thing. And when you do that, you open yourself up to just a whole can of worms that you really don't want to get into. Um, Self-deception is the worst form of deception because when, when someone outside is deceiving you, that the lens of light and revelation can be shown and that deception can be thwarted. But when you are self-deceived, that means you have adopted as truth that thing, that deception. I say all that to say that we need to be careful to not assume and presume that we know everything that there is regarding a topic, regarding whether it's unity like we're going to talk about today or whether it's, you know, for, you know, my fellow and Pastor Fisher and I's fellows, um, apostolic Pentecostals, whether it's, you know, the oneness of God or the new birth, you know, those are all things that we're very comfortable with, things that were, you know, we would, you know, claim to have, a, you know, sound knowledge of. But we can become so firm in what we know that we reject everything that, you know, we may not know about it simply because it's something beyond our present understanding. I digress. That was a five minute monologue about being open-minded. I could have just said that, be open-minded, but there you go. That's, that's me. If you don't know me, that, that is the essence of my personality. Um, you're welcome. Sometimes it takes a road trip to drive a point home. It's fine. Exactly. Exactly. You know, sometimes you got to take the scenic route. It's more pretty that way. Um, so unity. Ton of different, ton of different ways that we could really begin this. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to Pastor Fisher here. And uh, if, you, if you'll get us started on unpacking this vast and, you know, really complicated subject of unity. Um. Unity is, is, like you said, we have to make sure that we have biblical definitions and biblical understanding uh, that lines up with everything that we do. So understanding things and principles in the Bible that, that God highlights and uh, not just that it's in the Bible, it's highlighted because it's in the Bible. It's God's word. But at the same point, other things are emphasized um, even more in throughout a thread that ties scriptures together and 
Um, and it's very important to understand, as you said, the definition of that and a clear, have a clear understanding because how can you live out a thing if you don't understand it? Absolutely. Um, how can you make sure that you're, you're measuring your, your steps um, to be ordered by the Lord if they're not ordered in the Word? Um, so having that understanding is, is key. Um, but the first thing to understand about unity is it, it is all that, about the essence of God um, because God is one. So understanding that God is one, we've talked in previous episodes about the oneness of God, about um, different topics that will always, every topic you talk about should always tie back to God. Absolutely. Right? It should have that, uh, that common, uh, common denominator. Um, however, the oneness of God is, um, is, is not divided, it's, he's one. It's based on the Shema, Hear, O Israel, that the Lord thy God is one. Um, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, as Paul reiterates, there's a unity in God. Um, therefore, there must be a unity in his body. Mm. Um, because if the government is on his shoulders, um, there is um, a power and authority that flows if it's connected and you can't be connected without being unified. Um, nobody wakes up in the morning and has to find all of the members of the body and assemble yourselves like Mr. Potato Head and then go to work. That'd be interesting. It'd be very, very interesting. Um, I apologize for the image that the illustration that uh, just popped into your head, all your heads for, um, trying to correlate this, but, um, but it would be very, very, Distracting if you couldn't find one member, one part, and all of a sudden you're walking around for the rest of the day disfigured and hoping that I find it when I get home because I don't know. But the body was made to be together. Mm-hmm. You you don't um, now obviously sickness, illness, things like that. Um, bodies become uh, uh, formed in different ways, but at this at the essence of creation, it's the body's meant to be together. It's not meant to operate separately. The vein system. The vascular system, the nervous system, everything ties centrally together from the farthest dependence to to the heart. Yeah, and you know, real quick, I'll let you continue on here. No, go ahead. But that Mr. Potato analogy really, actually, you know, actually had a. Who knew we would get such <laughs> revelation from Mr. Potato Head? Uh, but you this know, this is Quick add-on here that I don't want to forget, and we can come back to this later. But you know, you use the Mr. Potato Head there to talk about, you know, having all you know having all the pieces together, not have to worry about all of the where the members at. Well the another interesting thing about the Mr. Potato Heads, okay? The while obviously the different members of the Mr. Potato Head had mm-hmm. prescribed places where they ought to have been. Yes. You know, they were there was holes in the base of the body. Correct. Where you know you were supposed to put the arms, where you're supposed to put the eyes, and we all know what we did when we were five. You put, you took the arm and you put it in the nose slot. Yes, you did. But you know that 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 brings us to you know, and like I said, we can come back to this. We don't have to explore this right now. But that brings us to another important part: is it's not just about being, you know, having all the parts. Yes. It's about all the parts being in the right place. It's very true, um, and, and that's another part of understanding unity: is it's the so much more, as you said, we can't dive into every part of every topic in just one episode, but there's, when you think that you know everything, you actually know nothing. Exactly. Because you've closed, at that moment, you've closed the door to any further knowledge and revelation about it. 
and you also shut off the the principles and the, the knowledge that's right in front of you and being practiced and exampled around, but you're not aware. Mm-hmm. Simple spiritual awareness will open up. Um, it will shine light on these things. Um, so the, the awareness in God's unity and ours, uh, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in John 17 and said, um, he prayed prayed to the Father and said that, um, said, we are in we're in the world or they are in the world but let them be one as we are so it was don't take them out of the world but keep them from the world was the essence of the prayer there's power that can keep them just as i have power Mm -hmm. but they have to be unified as we are so and again we could get into the essence of the pronouns we and and all of this is not denoting a plurality of the Godhead. It's denoting um, the power and authority and the character and, and other things. But it's it's the essence of the body being unified as God is unified, as God is one, that shines such a depth of unity for the body. Um, because I think we get lost in that. We um, just on a surface level note, there's a lot that the church misses while trying to achieve something else. Hmm. Um, there is, there's a lot that we can, if you have a, if you have a chain, um, it, it's an age old saying, the weakest link in the chain is what you need to tend to. No, absolutely. Because it doesn't matter how big and strong the chain is. Only as strong as the weakest link. Exactly. So what we have is we have the name of Jesus. We have Jesus name baptism. We have the oneness of God. We've got the new birth. We've got, uh, Power. We've got authority. We've got the fruits of the spirit. We've got the gifts of the spirit in operation. We've got all this over here and over there, and we've got all these principles down. But then we find ourselves not fellowshipping with our brother and with our sister, mm. not talking to anybody on that side of the church, right. but only on this side. Um, forming groups mm. and uh, and cliques and just. Uh, Call it social groups. I, I get it. If you, we all understand certain people better. We get along Actually, better. Yeah, personalities yeah. will will gravitate. Um, but there comes a time that the body is unified. Absolutely. And when you're a part of the body, the essence of that unity um, could be practiced in this: when you pray for the church, don't just say "I'm praying for," and then insert your church name. Don't just say, I'm praying for my pastor, insert their name. Don't just say, I'm praying for the leadership, um, and even if you insert their name. But try to mention as many people by name that you can. Even if you've got to write it down in a book. If you've got to get a church registry, if you've got to take notes, figure things out, and have a prayer journal that you pray out of, because when you connect and say their name out loud, you're praying specifically for that person. Yeah. They're no longer lumped into a group Yeah. that you're just trying to throw a blanket over and put out a fire if there's a fire. Right. You're now running into the fire and saving them personally. So now there's a connection in the spirit that you're reaching for that's creating a connection. Um, <clears throat> and the, the issue with this is we get stuck in fellowship, I think, um, and... Fellowship is 
coming and being around somebody. But relationship is actually getting to know that person. Right. Yeah. So should the church be consumed with fellowship or should they be consumed with relationship? Yeah. And this is this whole discipleship, making disciples, I don't want to call it a craze because it's not, it's biblical, but this whole um, generation turn, I feel, that's focusing on making disciples and being done and getting discipleship classes. And this whole terminology, it is built on the essence of relationship. Mm -hmm. And unity comes from relationship. Because when you're related to somebody, there's, there's, and we could talk, there's a lot of ways to talk about this, but let me just use family as one. Mm -hmm. um, you could mess with, I could mess with my brother all day long. Me and my brother, my older brother, we had, um, we had a love-hate relationship. We loved, loved to hate on each other. Um, and we hated to love on each other. So it was, it was one of those things that we could do that back and forth to each other. But if there was something outside that came in, um, there was, which not often happened, but when there was, there was, there's some, there's an obstacle you've got to get through to get to one of us. And that would be the other one. So there's a family. And when family, you're related to them. Yes, you're going to bicker. Yes, you're going to have differences because guess what? Your flesh, you live in the same house. Yeah. Not everybody is built to live in a house with other people. No. Um, sometimes you just need your space and separation. Absolutely. But when you're in a family and you're you're like that, you can have that interaction. But there is still a time that comes that you're you've got each other's backs. You're you'll pray for each other. You'll fight for one another. You'll stand up for one another. That's relationship. Absolutely. There's a connection that, that binds you together. Yeah. So I think unity, um, unity in its beginning needs to be based on the oneness of God and the unity of, of God, but also it has to drive us past the surface, um, the surface level of fellowship and really dive into that relationship yeah. with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the terminology of, of fellowship is obviously a biblical one. You know, Acts 2.42, you know, they, they continue to fellowship with one another. Like, that was a part of what made the church the church. Right. I think a big issue is, um, and you know, last night, uh, Pastor Warner just talked about, you know, incorrect terminology reads incorrect theology. Right. And, you know, that's such a profound truth. Um and that's present more in our that, that's present more in our churches than we'd probably like to admit mm -hmm. you know and one of those areas is fellowship right and this and it's for several reasons because a lot of times our our new age definition of fellowship is just hanging out with somebody mm -hmm. you know a lot of times we'll get together and we'll have food and we'll watch the football game, and we call that fellowship. Right. That was not the biblical definition of fellowship not at all. in the slightest. There may have been food, but they weren't sitting around watching the the latest games at the Coliseum. Right. They were. There was conversation focused on God. Right. Because it was all meant to be building up the church, right. building up the body, unity. Yeah. It was a purpose. Yeah. It wasn't just you know casual conversation. It was intentional. Right. So. That's one way in that, you know, our, our terminology has changed, which has therefore changed our theology. Mm -hmm. 
So correcting our terminology to correct our theology, but also adding on to that, even the Greek word for fellowship, koin, koinonia, is how it's pronounced, I guess. Assuming I'm correct in that. Take your word for it. There you go. Um, you, you have no way to refute me. You're feeling dead. <laughs> um, Walk into a gunfight with a dead gun. <laughs> this is great. Um, but the, the Greek word, one of the ways it could be translated is intimacy. Yeah. So even in the original usage of the word, that again, we have since separated from that. Right. And, and their original understanding, you couldn't separate the idea of fellowship from relationship. Yeah. That you couldn't have one without the other. But now in our minds, there are two separate things. Like you're hanging out with somebody, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a close relationship with them. Right. And you guys say that. And let's be honest, fellowship and relationship fall under that social category for us in this generation. And if we're really being honest, the social platform of this generation has um, is based on disconnection. Absolutely. It, it is based, it is designed around the essence of staying connected, more connectivity. Yeah. But however they, they did it, they did it. But trying to get more connected created more disconnection. Yes. Um, by just distance. So yes. it is a, it's a different world. You know, you know with, with, with each passing year, um, we get more technologically advanced. Um, you know, the newest big thing is how close we are to having AI, mm -hmm. you know, artificial intelligence. <clears throat> but it, it's... It, so we have literally all these advances and all in, you know, like, like you said, social media that, 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 that transcends over to social media and you know, we, you could look at someone's Facebook and they could literally have a thousand friends on Facebook or sorry, Facebook is outdated. They could have a thousand followers on Instagram or X as Twitter is now called, I suppose. I don't yeah. never actually had Twitter or X, so I don't actually know. But in fact, I don't even have an Instagram. Anyway, I still have Facebook, so apparently I'm outdated. Yeah, so continue right. the conversation on your own. No, correct, because that's that's all I have as well. So, um... You know, but we have all these platforms where we are connected to all of these people and, you know, we have all these different chats, whether it's through our text messages or through these social media platform chats. We, we're, we're all, we're so, so connected, but then you actually have the opportunity to be one-on-one -on -one with that individual. And there is quite literally a, a social awkwardness. There is no, there's no understanding of how to connect. Right. The connect, even though more, like you said, we're more connected than ever. There is no sense, no understanding of connectivity right. in reality, um, and so it creates a very, it has created a very socially awkward generation that would rather. And don't get me wrong, I am an introvert by nature. Right. I I will. I will, you know, I will lay claim to that. But, you know, a big understanding, misunderstanding, or rather, that people have is that, is of the words extrovert and introvert. 
Extroverts are viewed as people who are outgoing. Introverts are viewed as people who are shy and backwards. That's actually not true. Because an introvert could be the most talkative person you know. It's not a matter of how outgoing or not they are. It's a matter of how they process information. Extroverts process information externally. They think with their mouth, quite literally. Mm -hmm. Introverts process things internally. They will think 10 times before they say one thing. But they might say a lot still. That just yeah. means they're thinking a ton. Thinking, right. Uh, so there's a correct terminology for all of you who are listening. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'll get you correct your terminology so we can correct our theology. There you go. Uh, but the point being, we, you know, such a level of social awkwardness because there, there is no connectivity. And it all goes back to the fact that it's... It's a lapse in, it's a lapse in love, mm-hmm. because all of the connections that we have uh, with people on all these different platforms, it's just it's it, it's become routine. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I'm just I'm just accustomed to talking to these ten different people every day, all day, and it's no longer necessarily about love, no longer necessarily about relationship. It's just something I do. Right. There's no actual relationship there. Like you could talk to someone for 10 years over the phone or over text or whatever, and then actually get to that, meet that person in person and have no idea what to talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Because now you're actually, have, you're actually having to come face to face with them, right. which you know is another way you could define relationship, face to face. And so when there is this absence, this lapse of love, there can be no actual relationship. And if there is no relationship, then there could be no unity. So right. then you could take it down the vein of, well, if there, you, you can't have unity without love. Yeah. And, you know, uh, probably one of the most misquoted passages of Scripture of all time. They, there are a lot of those. But this <laughs> is one of them. Um, it, you know, the, the religious leader, I believe it was a scribe or a lawyer, came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? And we all know this well. We could quote this like back of our hand. Jesus quoted to him uh, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. People think that was Jesus' response to what is the greatest commandment. And then they say, well, and then Jesus, you know, free of charge, mm-hmm. gave him the second one. Bonus. Yeah, bonus, there you go. He said, and he said that to love your neighbor as yourself. But what they, what we so often overlook and miss is that Jesus said, and the second is like it. Right. He didn't say there is a second that comes beneath it. He didn't say once you do this, then do this. He said like it. That word that you could really translate that as a second is similar to it, a second is comparable to it, a second mm-hmm. is synonymous with it, a second is the same likeness of mm-hmm. meaning you cannot love God unless you love your neighbor, but vice versa, you cannot love your neighbor unless you love God. Yeah. The two are eternally inseparable, they're hyperlinked, they, they are eternally interwoven together. Right. And so what is the greatest commandment? Yes, it's to love God, but it's also to love your neighbor. And right. if you don't do the one, then you're not fulfilling the other. Yeah. Let me 
add to that real quick is I would submit that it's not even a twofold that people try to take it as three as two, but I think what God's doing there is saying that there's a threefold cord there that he's tying together as one. Not only is it commanding that you love God, but also you love your neighbor, but also you love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. So that's self-love. So you love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So that means I need to not put myself down. Absolutely. That's just that he's taking care because you can't minister unless you're being fed. Absolutely. You can't you can't live unless you're being healthy. You can't do this. So it it does help for you to be loved, but you love yourself, you love your neighbor, and that is a way that we love God. Um, so there's a threefold cord there that he's he's putting out that we that as the Bible says, threefold cord is not easily broken. Yeah. So it's that tying together and unified is again the essence of unity, um, beginning with love. Um, but again, terminology just it's such there's so much to unpack with misconception. And it almost turns into a vacuum that you begin to just drain out all of the richness of God's meaning for what he wants to do through somebody, through you and through through us, because we miss the small things. Right. We go after the big things, but then we miss the small things. And it begins to, to suck the life out of what we're trying to do big on a large scale. But we think that if we're on a certain platform or we're on a certain um, level, uh, dimension of operation, that we're we're doing great. But then there's sustainability that comes with the understanding of the small things. Um, but unity, unity comes with growth as well. Growth is you have to um, you have to grow into this, and it's um, uh, if you grow. And this is another thing where we where we fall prey to going after the big things, but you grow largely by growing small. Mm -hmm. So you make small increments of growth, and then it becomes a large thing. Um, you never, if you're watching somebody, let's go in the adverse effect. If you're watching, you live with somebody and they're on a weight loss program, you may not notice when they drop five pounds, ten mm -hmm. pounds, because you're watching it fall off every single day. And you're seeing the progression up close, but you have somebody that doesn't see you for a month or two at a time. They see you the next time. They think you've done something dramatic and, and extraordinary because you're 30 pounds lighter than you were last time they saw you. But the person that lives with them, they understand that, hey, no, it's the small things. Every day they still do this and it, it all adds up. Yeah. And eventually, it takes somebody from a distance coming in and saying, man, you look good. Sometimes even for that person to take a look in the mirror and realize, hey, I do look good. Right. Yeah. I, it, it is making a change. So it takes that outside perspective to, to really show us. But it takes that inward fortitude to say, every day I'm going to do this. Growing small is biblical. Mm-hmm. But when you don't grow at, at all, when you're not growing and doing anything, that's dysfunctional. Right. So it's okay to, to, to make those small steps. Those small steps in our understanding is what begins to grow 
and and take us to that next dimension because there's a lot of lot of people I think that get that are hung up and the only thing keeping them from that next dimension in the miraculous for their family, for their own life, for the ministry, is simply that they're not unified with their brother or sister. Yeah. Um, and from that, you can get into forgiveness, reconciliation, you can get into this and that. So there's, there's another whole lesson and, and tale off of that. But the, the hindrance is that there's not this love one towards another that, that binds us together and that draws us closer together. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it can be very uh, stemmed from, we just, as you said earlier, we, we get caught up in just coming and, and showing up and, and doing, and and it, we're not worried about, I don't have time for the relationships. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna reach people, I'm gonna do this. But all of a sudden it becomes just your job. Yeah, You're doing it. It's very easy for me to just show up and go to work, but but I also, just by nature, you have to connect with the people that are there because no matter if your job's dangerous or you've got important things that you've got to get done, you've got to have an element of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with trust comes a bond and comes a relationship that you now are not just acquaintances. Now you kind of know how you work and how you think. So now you form this deeper relationship um, in, a, in a work atmosphere and you start doing the same as you would with your family. Um, and then you just, you begin to operate. But when it's something that you do, trust me, when it's quitting time at work, I get in the, I get in the car and I leave. Right. I'm not going to stay. Right. Because not, because the only thing keeping me there is I'm getting paid. I don't, I don't love it that much. Okay. But there's something about different than what you do and who you are. And I think that's what we look at as far as the pressure we put on ourselves to be unified with people and have relationship is we put that pressure on ourselves like this is something I have to do. This is something I've got to step out of my ordinary. This is where terminology comes in because not everybody is going to be able to go and walk into a crowd and be charismatic and be able to reach the masses and, and have start up a conversation with a stranger. Not everybody can do that. But if you feel like that's your only way to fulfill the word of God, you're going to approach it as though it's your job, mm-hmm. not who you are. Right. Because that's exactly the truth. Yeah. But when you understand who you are, and God made everybody's personalities unique. Absolutely. And I don't believe that you have to step out of your personality per se to change the world because God has created you uniquely. Now, are there things that is commanded of everybody? Praise, worship, think? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we could get into a depth of things because Joshua, or yeah, uh, Jehoshaphat, when he sent, he sent the praisers out. He sent, so there was a company of people that were just praisers. Yeah. And they, I'm not talking about praise dancers, sent them out, okay? Um, there's there's a tribe there's people the praisers and then you had then you said the tribe of Judah and then you had those and I, I believe that there was also a, uh, a a section of people that were the the praisers and then there was a section that was the warriors yeah um, could they have been both yes were they both maybe not so there's there's a depth there that you can get into but 
At the same point, I think there is a command that let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Absolutely. There is worship, there is praise, there's commandments given to people. But when you can understand how you do that through your personality, then you begin to flow better. And you're not doing it now out of obligation and, mm -hmm. and doing a job. You're, you can begin to operate through relationships. So that way, when you connect with somebody through that, yeah. then you begin to make a more powerful impact. Absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not saying do it in comfort. Don't misunderstand me, hopefully. Don't operate through comfort as though comfort mm -hmm. is the, the highest thing over being biblical. Right. But there's things that I think you can get to where you're, you're settling into God's calling for your life. Yeah. And you can still accomplish what he wants, but in the way that, that you fit and, and you can have relationship um, that is not forced. So I think sometimes we get, we get bogged down and we discard relationships and we hold people off at a distance as just fellowship, mm -hmm. unbiblical fellowship. Um, and, and doing this because we're afraid to engage mm -hmm. personality-wise. Yeah. So getting over that barrier is, is key. You know, I, I think a lot of that ties back into, you alluded to this point earlier, but it's something that we really don't talk about enough. And that is an aspect of self-love. Now, you, you have to, I guess you could word it as set boundaries with that. Um, in, in, in terms of you are self-love is not justifying bad behavior no self-love is recognizing who God made you to be mm -hmm. and being okay with who God <clears throat> made you to be right. you know so much of so often you you hear of people being insecure or you know just um having such a low self-esteem right. and, you know, thinking so little, little of themselves. Oh, I'm so ugly. Oh, I'm so awkward. Oh, I'm so weird. Oh, I'm so this and so that. And I recognize that that is a, is a, it's a genuine problem and it's a genuine struggle that people have. But you also have to recognize that when you do that, you, you are literally saying that God did not make you good enough. Exactly. Uh, and it's like, you have to, and this, you know, Paul says, don't compare yourself amongst yourselves. And there's a lot of different avenues that you could, you, you could take that down. But this is one of them, is that a lot of that uh, insecurity, a lot of the low self-esteem comes from, we see someone else, and something about that individual, in our eyes, is the ideal. Yeah. Whether it's their personality, whether it's their looks whether it's their overall demeanor or maybe like the style of how they dress or how they walk or this, that, or the other. Right. Something about that individual or everything about that individual becomes the ideal. Right. And now suddenly in our own minds, we have the misconception that because we are not like them, we are now less. Right. But the funny thing is, is that it's entirely likely that that same individual who has become your ideal is looking at someone else as their ideal. Very true. And so then it just becomes this it's perpetual cycle, cycle yeah. of the of having an ideal and not living up to it. 
because we're constantly looking to someone else to define the ideal. Right. But this is, it all goes back to the uniqueness of how we were made. I look nothing like you. You look nothing like me. You're lucky. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Uh, And, you know, we have similar aspects in our personality. There's some similarities, but there's also differences. Now, I I look to you uh, as someone to look up to, as a mentor. I look to you, you know, and and there's a lot of things that I admire about you. But it doesn't mean that I then look at myself and no. say because we're not because I'm not a cookie cutter of you right. that I am now less. No, not at all. Because it's when 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 you look because there's nothing wrong with having someone that you admire or someone that you look to, look up to as long as they are someone worth looking right. up to, which we've talked about that in a past episode. Right. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a very good thing because now you have a you have a goal. Yes. You have you have something that you're actually aiming toward. Right. And if you have nothing to aim toward, then you're literally aimless and you're going you you risk going off on a, a, any direction. Mm-hmm. And you could end up anywhere. And so when you have something that you're aiming for, it's a very good thing. Um, just as long as it's a good thing to aim for. Um, like I said. But when you do that, you don't do that like as I said with the with the aim of becoming exactly like that person. Right. It's allowing who that person is to influence who you are mm-hmm. to make you a better version of their a better better version of who you are. Right. And because of the nature of the relationship, that individual that you admire, parts of who they are are going to bleed off and they're going to be manifest in your Natural. life. Natural. This is a natural thing. But that doesn't mean you're becoming like them. It's just the influence of their life on yours, but yeah. you're still you. You're simply now a better version of you, right? But you're not them, right? You're not becoming them. Never need to be. And you're not. You're not. You're not ever aiming to become them, right? You're still you. If you're looking to become them, that's called idolatry. Exactly. So you don't idolize the person. Yes. You example the person. Yes. Um, and the thing that the church needs to understand is that we constantly have to have that model that we're looking for. Christ is that model. Absolutely. But Christ in you. Mm-hmm could be a model to me. Absolutely. So how Christ is in a person and using a person can be that model to me. Yes. But the Bible says that every man seemeth right in his own eyes. So this is where this cycle is perpetual, Mm -hmm. that we're not stepping out of that cycle and looking to that model enough. Mm -hmm. Um, That model unifying ourselves, abiding in him. Yes. so that we can have that relationship with him and therefore we can have a relationship one to another. Um, but we justify ourselves seemingly right mm-hmm. in what we're doing. Um, like the cycle you said, the person wants to be like somebody else, well that person wants to be like somebody else. So nobody is where they want to be, but you're constantly comparing, you're constantly measuring up when everybody should be measuring up to God. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody should be looking to that model, and it's the intentional side of that. Um, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful mm-hmm. and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Mm-hmm. Your intentional mindset made the list. Yes. So the word of God can move and do this and do that but we don't think about we think about okay he knows the thoughts he he's separating soul and spirit he's getting into 
getting into my kitchen here, but but it's also the intense, mm -hmm. the, what you're intentional about. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an aspect of that that we're not progressing in our intention. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we lose out on the principle of unity um, because of that. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one one mind and one accord. Uh, one mind is one purpose. Yes, one pursuit. It, it may have taken them 10 days to get in one yes. mind. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when that day came, was because they were with... So finally, everybody got on board. I don't know if you've ever had jury duty. I've not personally. I've heard some stories. But when you're in a room with a bunch of strangers and you're trying to decide the fate of somebody in a case and you have to have a unanimous vote, how horrible would it be to know that we can get all of this done if Joe Schmo down at the very end would not be withholding his his verdict, whether guilty, not guilty. Everybody else is in agreement, but you. Can, I mean, this reminds me a little bit of the wilderness when the, the 10 spies came back with the negative report yes. and the two positive. They literally held a generation back because yes. of their negativity. Yep. But in a jury, you could halt a, a, a verdict just because of your, your, um, your disagreement. So... Um, and not to get into the politics of it, there might be a whole lot more involved and sometimes turning it would be a good thing. But it's the disagreement stops everything. Yeah. So imagine 10 days, they went nine days, maybe with one person that just was thinking about they were hungry. And mm -hmm. we, we didn't get Chick-fil-A ordered because we know Chick-fil-A was delivered. On the, the upper room, let's ah, just absolutely. let's settle that right now. Yeah, yeah, you better believe it. But they they just didn't get their chicky nuggies, and they, they didn't come on time, and they were holding out, and God's not going to give them a miracle because they weren't they weren't fed. That tenth day came, they finally said, "You know what? Forget it. I want God to move," and then God moved. Right. So it's the mindset that we we start figuring out the and there's no filling, there's no revealing, there's no mm -hmm. revelation, there's no cloven tongues, there's. Uh, like the fire sitting upon each of them. There's no none of this miraculous happening without unity. Absolutely. So the power of unity unlocks the door for all these things. Yeah. And, you know, there's another intrinsic aspect of unity that you, you really can't fail to talk about, at least in part. And, you know, it's something that we have talked about in the past probably several times by now. But in truth, you really can't talk about any aspect of what it means to be Christian without talking about this one thing. Uh, so I'm going to read the uh, beginning portion of Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He's talking about unity. Mm -hmm. He then goes on in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish and selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And obviously, he goes on and talks about uh, how you know how Jesus humbled himself in the flesh and, and right. bore the cross. But the, the the key of all that. Is humility, yes. is is making yourself of no reputation, it is, um, and I mentioned this 
probably in the last episode, but I know at least two episodes ago, um, Builder Hernandez defined humility as to lose your identity. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, and that's not something that happens automatically. That's not something that happens subconsciously. Because your subconscious self will do nothing but hold on to your identity. Yeah. If you simply allow your subconscious being to uh, just monotonously and routinely control you, you will forever be just the same. Right. You'll, you'll, you'll always have the same identity. And so to lose your identity requires, here's that word again, intentionality. Yes. You, the intention of the heart, as, uh, as Hebrews 4.12 says, it requires an intentional pursuit, an intentional drive, an intentional effort. Humility does not happen just because. It's when one makes up in their mind that they're going to do this thing. Right. And what is that thing that we do? We lose our identity. We, we make ourselves of no reputation. We look at someone, you know, Brother Hernandez, has put, Brother Hernandez put, it, put it this way. It's looking at someone else and saying, man, they are so much better than I am. And then we, and we, we read that. And honestly, when I first read that, I was like, that's kind of a, that's kind of like a very, uh, like a insecure type of phrase, it sounds like. Yeah. But literally what he's saying is looking at someone and not in insecurity, but in humility without putting yourself down. Right. Without making yourself feel like trash, right. being able to look at someone else and say, "That person, they have got it going on. They've right. got it. To, they've got it together. They are so used by God. They are so powerful in the Spirit. And you know what? They are. They're just. They are what's it? You know. They. They are the bee's knees, as some people <laughs> may say. Oh, if you're seventy. If you're seventy, and and you know, there you go. But I say that all the time. So apparently, I'm seventy. <laughs> But it's just having the willingness to be able to acknowledge that someone might be better than you. And that's not not coming from insecurity, not coming from low self-esteem, but it is a humble estimation of where you are. And where they are, but no, we don't do that because that's that. Uh, that way, right. you know, put myself down. It's not putting yourself down. It's acknowledging where you at, so it gives you the opportunity to grow. Right. Because if you never acknowledge where you're at, then you're never going to grow. Right. If you never, if you never are willing to put your place and put yourself in the place where you actually are, and you constantly just think I'm light years ahead of where I actually am, then you'll never actually attain to that thing. Yeah. Because, because again, it all goes back to self-deception. Because we, are, we, we refuse to humble ourselves and acknowledge where we are, who we are, and where those around us are. Yeah, and the, Paul, Paul put it this way, is, is Christ divided? And it was a rhetorical question at the time, and talking about don't, there's Apollos, there's Cephas, there's Peter, there's me, there's there's others that are bringing the gospel, but we're bring, we're the same. We're the same body. We're unified. Um, so don't look at us like we're divided because Christ is not divided. We're, but the essence of that going down in First uh, Corinthians, I believe, was talking about. But no flesh shall glory in the in the presence of the Lord. But 
you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. So again, being unified and having that one mind, one accord, that purpose is being found in Christ. Um, and not to turn a uh, carnal illustration of this, but um, me personally, I am a Boston Celtics fan. But I did not know that. But I, I'm not a very avid sports fan, so paraphernalia is not my thing. Um, but I do like the Boston Celtics. But uh, a few years ago, they were having a very bad, very bad year. They started trying to figure some things out, and Doc Rivers, as their coach at the time brought in this, uh, they ended up through his leadership, got this, um, uh, it's a Naguni Bantu word. Um, it's uh, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, I think was, is the, I don't know how you pronounce it, I just butchered it. But it's a, it's a word that means, um, basically means humanity. Um, it means humanity, but it, in the essence of it, it says, I am because we are. Hmm. So they were struggling, teamwork, chemistry, they were struggling as a, as a team. And they brought this slogan in, and that became their mantra uh, for the remainder of that season. And that was the season that they started out horribly, and they ended up going all the way to the, champ uh, the championship and winning the championship that year. Oh, wow. So they had all the all-stars. They had the talent. They had um, everybody. That, they had all the pieces to the puzzle that they needed. They had all the the resources at their availability. They just didn't have the mind. Mm -hmm. So the power of the mind, that's where unity lives, yeah. is in the power of the mind. The power of the mind is essential in your success and in your uh, the next dimension of anything that you're doing. And the sports world understands it. The business world understands it. And it's really really sad sometimes to think that the church has not got that yet. Right. Because it is, it takes such an intention, such a uh, profound waking up every day and, and people don't like ritualistic things. They don't like habits because we deem those as non-spiritual. Mm. Reading your Bible every day, that is a habit. That is, that should be your ritual. That's, but that's one of the most spiritual things that you can do. Absolutely. So we can discredit things because they fit into a mold that we've deemed traditions of men. However, some things that we deem traditions of men, however, are in their foundation, in essence, a tradition that God wants us to have. Right. Paul talks about traditions. There are good traditions. Right, yes. Yeah. But when a tradition becomes something merely that you idolize, mm -hmm. that's when you need to kick it. Yes. Because you always constantly need to weigh that and say, is this biblical or is this not? Right. Is this being proficient in my life or is this weighing me down? Yeah. So um, the fact of the matter that the team got a hold of that, that mantra and that um, slogan and, and realized that I am because we are. I enjoy watching a team that can go out and they can score 15 points a person, but they can have 10, 15 people that not only the starters, but all their bench is in double digits. I don't think you don't need somebody getting 60 points. You don't need somebody getting 40 points to win. Everybody on your team, the highest score might be 25, but everybody gets uh, over 10 points. As a team, you put up over 100 points. Yeah. So I am because we are. Yeah. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of correlation there that you can, it's a selfless, it's a discovery of um, selflessness is not 
thinking less of yourself Correct. is thinking of yourself less. Absolutely. So it's yeah. uh, it's the understanding that I don't have to be first, mm -hmm. but I'm in the race. Yeah. So you're preferring your brother, you're preferring your sister, um, you're going after the prize, you're in the race, um, you're doing all that you have to do. Um, and thank God that not just one person is going to win this race and make it to heaven. Right. He, he wants the body there. Yeah. So I don't have to push somebody out of out of the race in order to secure my spot. Yeah. And you know, real quick as we wrap this up, is you can think about that on the flip side. There is only going to be one person that wins this race. The question is, because you know, it, it, it's the body. It's the body, right? And it's the bride. He's coming back for his bride. So it is one person that he's right. that's going to win this race. And the question of unity is, are you going to be a part of that one person? That's really what it comes down to. Now, let me, real quick, I'll let you wrap this up. I have to take this back to Mr. Potato Head because Absolutely. this is where we started and this will be where we end. This is not where we designed this, this episode to be at all. But as a part of the body, don't be the, the mustache that's left in the corner don't be the arm that falls off in the in the eleventh hour, and don't be the member that's not connected to the body when he comes back for the for the bride. Absolutely, be connected to the body. Absolutely, make sure you have your mustache <laughs> on. Make sure the arm is not where the nose is supposed to be. Yes, you know, make sure you're actually assembled properly and how it is meant to be assembled. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we just yeah all spirituality going. Be a Mr. Potato Head. There it is. That's there the is. essence of or our Mrs. Podcast. Potato Head. Absolutely, equality. There we go. Okay, we we better stop before we've we lost it. Yeah, we have. Thank you for joining in. Uh, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll catch you in two weeks. Thank you again for joining in with us today. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. We know that we all have busy lives and the, the fact that you took time out of your day to join us and listen in with us, it, it means so much to us. We pray that what was talked about today was a blessing to you and impacted you and made, made a difference in your life. And if it did, we would be so grateful and so appreciative if you shared this episode with someone you care about, a loved one, a family member or a friend, it would mean the world to us. In Jesus' name, God bless.